Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. We're doing it because we're talking about the Echo trailer and there's an Echo in here. Greg, how's it going? You're some of going, 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 going well. Hey, we'll have a laugh at the channel. It will yeah. never get annoying. People will love it. They'll eat it up. They'll be so delighted. How was your weekend? Very good, Greg. But I don't know if you realize, last week we were talking about the Marvel stuff, and then just before we released the podcast, there was a big article dropped about Variety that we're going to be covering very, very shortly in this episode. kind of feel quite lucky, actually, because since then it's been debunked by a lot of different sources. Um, But fear not, guys. We're going to be going through that. We're going to be going through the Echo trailer. We're going to be going through everything that you want to know. And also, there's been an HBO executive, I think it was the CEO of HBO, uh, he got caught trolling reviewers with fake burner accounts, Greg. My very, hero. very shocking. I tell you what, uh, Greg, we've got lots of stuff to talk about, though. But have you had a good week? I've had a, I have had a good week. I think it's great that that Marvel news came out the same day we released our podcast. I think it helped us generate views because people probably yeah. thought we were talking about it that day. We were ahead of the curb, though, man. We were way yeah. ahead of the curb. Well, that was actually our most viewed podcast of all time. So thank you guys for <laughs> supporting us. Um, but yeah, the Echo trailer, Greg, I'm going to just dive straight into it. My reaction Please. beforehand, I was like, oh, God, Echo, five episodes, getting released to one day, heard nothing but bad stuff about this series. It's going to suck. Watch mm-hmm. the trailer, and I, I tell you what, <laughs> I literally went from absolutely hating, uh, hating Marvel one week and then saying that and being like, Marvel's the best thing. It was like that um, Godfather 3 meme when it's like, soon as I'm out, they pull me right back in. But really, really right. enjoyed the trailer. I thought the way that they integrated Kingpin's punching as well um, and his kicking and stuff was like, Ugh! and they kind of integrated that into the score very well. Um, very, very well done. I'm hoping, Greg, that that's the entire tone for the series and that Please. I don't want to see anyone smiling at any point throughout the entire series. And if they do, I'm going to beat the crap out of them like Kingpin beat the crap out of that guy. But very good trailer. I know you reacted to it. What did you think? Man, you and I were here just one week ago saying this is so silly that they'd be releasing this trailer in the middle of all of this. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And no one's even excited about it. And then this trailer comes out. I was like, this shit is so good. <laughs> this looks so awesome. It's crazy how tone, imagery, atmosphere can do a lot. We don't know if the show is actually going to be good. You know, obviously, we've heard some behind the scenes drama surrounding it. They're releasing all of it at once. It's in January, which, the, but the, even though I don't think the same type of association is with television shows as it is with movies, when you hear a movie's coming out in January. It still kind of feels like, are they, why are they just dumping all of them when before they were doing a weekly release? However, yeah, this felt like the kingpin that I missed. You know, I am part of that camp that was really disappointed with the way kingpin was ultimately portrayed in Hawkeye. And this brings it back more to the Netflix kingpin that I've been craving to see on screen. You get a tad tease of Daredevil. And what I thought was really great about it, what I really give the trailer a lot of credit for, is even though it's called Echo and a lot of the talk is about Kingpin, it doesn't just feel like they utilize Kingpin as some uh, like glorified cameo in the trailer. It really seems like 
that the show will be so much about the relationship between Kingpin and Echo that he will be a supporting character in the show. And, and even, even if he's not in all the episodes, he'll be in a good amount. That's the, at least the impression that the trailer is given off, considering that he's the voiceover throughout all of it. And a beautiful use of sound design as well. And yeah, it's going to be Marvel's first TVMA series to be on Disney+. Plus. So I'm hoping that the violence does ultimately deliver. I'm excited for it. I, I can't. I can't believe it, man. <laughs> I'm genuinely, yeah. really, genuinely, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be something really cool. And the representation of the well, Choctaw yeah. Indian Nation looks pretty cool as well. Yeah. They have that shot in the trailer where the guy gets shot in the neck and goes, yeah. you know what I mean? Definitely down to see that. Um, but yeah, I think you're completely right about Kingpin. But even if he's not in it that much, I think when it's a binge, it's almost not as noticeable. You know what yeah. I mean? If all the episodes are there at once and you're just kind of watching it in one go, you don't really notice like, oh, this character's been teased out for five episodes and he hasn't shown up until episode four. It's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. kind of there. I don't know how the maths works out when you've been teased for five episodes but not showing up till episode four, but we'll move past that. But unfortunately, Greg, as hyped as I was, um, one of the people behind the show, they came out and said something about how they're changing up Echo's powers. And in case you guys don't know, basically in the comics, Echo is called Echo because they can see anyone do a move and copy that move. So yes. it makes them brilliant at hand-to-hand combat. You know, it's sort of the same thing as Taskmaster where yeah. they can mimic people perfectly. And when you have someone like Daredevil, they, they can really bring out the, the combat flares and that. They have said that she's actually going to have magical powers in the series and that the powers in the comics were kind of lame. And that was kind of when I was like, oh, and maybe that's a lot of the drama behind the scenes. I know we had a similar thing with Ms. Marvel where her power set was changed up. I personally believe with Ms. Marvel, they're actually going to go back to how she is in the comics and the whole mm. bangle thing's kind of sort of a misdirect. Um, it's her sort of getting used to the abilities of having the Embiggen and stuff. And then the reason why they brought up that she has a mutant gene is because say those bangles get destroyed or something, it's going to allow her to get the powers through another means. and But yeah, hearing that, um, I was kind of like, uh, but you know, I went back, rewatched the trailer again, which I rarely do with trailers if I'm not covering them. Thought the tone of it was excellent. Really made me feel um, like excited for the show. And yeah. I know that, it's, you know, Echo's not a massive character, but I think the fact that they don't necessarily have a set fan base for her, they can kind of have more freedom. And like you said, it's going to be TVMA, or I don't know what that is in the UK. It's just put it on for the kids uh, or don't put it on for the kids. That's basically the two ratings. Um, so, and most, and I'm guessing this will be put on for the kids because yeah, I'm not sitting parenting. I'm, I'm busy doing a podcast. You use entertain yourselves. I don't care if you're 18 months old. Um, but yeah, look, really, really good. Feeling the whole tone of it. I think if that's the style they go with for Daredevil Born Again, they're going to nail it. And I really hope that they've kind of reshot the series because they've seen that they need to do that tonally you know when she hulk came out and we had that daredevil episode show sure we enjoyed it but there was definitely the feeling like well i hope this isn't the tone they go for with the main series but seeing this it makes me confident that they can do it and do it right so yeah very, i feel very excited for it Hopefully. and uh yeah I, I wish i i wish i had the energy to cover it but what happened greg was i, I set my alarm for 5 a.m um i woke about half three and I looked at my phone and I thought, oh, well, I've got another hour and a half in bed. Waited 10 minutes and I was like, I'm not getting back to sleep. So I just got up, did Loki, you know, Invincible was out, um, Gen V right, finale right. as well. And I powered through it. And then it 
we we actually managed to um we didn't know what time the echo trailer was coming out so we finished the loki episode five video about 9 a.m um and i was like well I can probably squeeze another video out of this. So the the final trailer video that you saw on Saturday, that was actually something we worked on on Friday. Um, but by the time I finished that, I think the Echo trailer still hadn't released yet and I was just absolutely exhausted. And I just thought, I'm going to have to knock it in and we'll just talk about it on the podcast. I, th- I just thought that like you didn't cover it due to sexism, but you clarified it. So whew, yeah, thank God, Paul. I feel the next couple of weeks, Greg, that we're going to get called sexist by someone somewhere if we say the Marvels either wasn't good or the reason why it didn't do well at the box office. Uh, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in. We'll try and keep a nuanced take on things, guys. Sometimes it's difficult or emotions get in there. But um, speaking of emotions getting in there, Loki viewership, it's down, sadly. Um, apparently, the viewership dropped to down 39% from last year. So it's basically dropped 40%, which is, you know, almost half percent. Um, Yeah, kind of, I'm just sitting thinking, this sucks because Loki season two is really good. Yeah. How are you feeling about it, Greg? I'm trying to understand why. And uh, thinking about why it might have dipped. Because it has, I don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the show. And when thinking about Loki season two, one thing that really stands out to me that I find very interesting is that you don't need to have watched everything that comes in between Loki season one and Loki season two pertaining to the conversation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? So that's really cool. And Loki season one was a huge show. It was kind of a phenomenon. And if you loved it, then you could just watch Loki season two. So one part of me is going, is it because the Marvel fan base has been a little bit diluted? Have they lost faith in the quality of the writing? Even though the conversation surrounding season two has been great. The other part of me has also been curious as to, are people not tuning in because that feeling that Marvel has naturally generated of, I have not been keeping up with the MCU that much. So I feel like I might be a little lost if I just start Loki season two right now when you don't actually need to do that. Because as much as we love our standalones and we love that things can feel contained and the fact that you don't need to watch season, you don't need to watch everything that came after season one to follow season two because it's really just feels like a sequel to season one. I do, I do wonder if there's a lot of people out there who thought I haven't been keeping up with the MCU, even if, even though I love season one, so I, I'm not going to watch season two. I, I have no idea what it really could be. I, you know, I, I feel like it probably could be a uh, variety of all of those things because, by all accounts, people who are watching season two for the most part seem to really be enjoying season two. You know. I get the comments saying this is boring and that the Marvel that Marvel's lost its way, but I kind of feel like I, I get that on every project, to yeah, be honest. Um, I do feel like Marvel have put out far too much content, and I was thinking mm-hmm. the other day, say, when my kids are, you know, getting to the, the age where they want to start watching Marvel, maybe in six years or something, I think that fir- those first three phases were quite easy to catch up on, um, but once we hit phase four, I mean, there's so many different TV shows to watch. And I think, you know, we're obviously invested in it. We're going to watch it. But I think, you know, you need you need to get people on board the hype train as well. And that's something that, unfortunately, they haven't managed to do because there's just so much stuff to catch up on. 
I think there's not going to be any newcomers coming into the MCU at this point. I think a lot of people are already on board of it. Like, and it's going to be so difficult for someone who hasn't been on there since, I don't know, maybe even Iron Man to get, to get on board with this stuff. Cause it's like, where do I start? And then you've got to work yourself, got to work yourself up to end game. And then after end game, it's like 70 TV episodes that you've got to watch through. Um, so I think, uh, and I think in general, you know, over time interest in something just declines naturally. So you have people who are our age, maybe that don't want to keep up with everything and keep watching it. Or they're like, I'll wait till the next big thing. You've got no kids coming in to to check things out. And you, you're kind of hitting a point where it's just hardcore people in the middle that, you know, that's 60% left who are going to still keep watching this stuff all the time. Um, but I think yeah. it is, I, I don't think it's an issue with quality in terms of this, but it might be an issue of the things surrounding it, their quality. For example, you know, Say say we make five videos in a week, one of them is really good and the other four are, are middling to rubbish. When yeah, yeah. that really good video might not get the views that it should have because the, the stuff we're putting out around it isn't as good and it's not going to make people want to watch that one video. And it might be a sure. similar sort of thing with this. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of drama behind the scenes in terms of what's happened with Variety. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk about the main points in this. Um like I said, a lot of things have been sort of debunked. Um, but firstly, today, very recently, um, Nia DaCosta has actually come out and talked about one of the claims that was made in it, which was that she stepped away from the Marvels during their reshoots and she missed four weeks of that, which is quite unusual on a $250 million movie. Um, but she's actually come out and said, look, the movie got delayed four times. I had other projects I was, uh, they knew I had to get to, you know, other obligations. And it just hit a point where it was kind of like, I'm going to have to go off and do this. And she said that Marvel knew what they were doing. They knew the the way they wanted to take the movie and they were able to just take the reins from then and let her go off and do it. Um, obviously, there's still been people like, well, it's not technically debunked because she did step away for the reshoots. But I think this reasoning, it makes it understandable why she wasn't there for the whole thing. Yeah, I think it, I mean, she still worked on it remotely and you could still fulfill a, a certain vision, you know, a, on a much smaller scale, it, it does immediately make me flash to when Zack Snyder had to direct Ezra Miller for a sequence in the flash for uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he was in, uh, I, I believe, I believe they were in the UK, uh, Ezra Miller at the time. So he had to f direct it remotely. And granted, that was like one sequence for an insert <laughs> versus like we got to provide some reshoots. But yeah, this was like several years into it. And I don't think it's as dramatically intense as people are making it out to be, because I, I think initially when it came out, it sounded as if uh, after they were done shooting, Nia Costa like fucked off. And that was the end of that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where that wasn't the case. Like she was still working on reshoots after that, but then it came to a certain period where she had to then continue the final rounds of reshoots via remotely. And it wasn't like a yeah, Gareth Edwards, Tony Gilroy kind of situation or what happened on Dread, you know, like a lot of these stories where the director does ultimately get fired and someone else takes over the directing duties. You know, it's not a situation of that. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit blown out of proportion. It's still a tad concerning, but, you know, we know these movies are so committee made. I wouldn't have even been surprised on the flip side. I don't know about you, 
I personally wouldn't have been surprised if she did just bug off after it was done and then Marvel just took over. We were constantly saying how the MCU feels so committee made that if it did come out that, yeah, I know she wasn't around for the reshoots and someone else did it, some producer, Feige, whatever. Yeah, it's not a surprise. That sounds like what the MCU might actually do more often than we realize. Are you perturbed by it? No, not really. I mean, I think if if you watch the pre-visualization stuff for Endgame, especially that final battle, they they have the, these entire movies pretty much made in previs before they even start shooting. Yeah. I mean, lots of people have criticized the Russo brothers for just basically shooting previs. Um, I, I yeah, the, the article. I mean, that's kind of a big thing. I think the Marvels at the moment is kind of a sort of easy project to pick on, I'll say, because we've heard, we've heard so many things going on behind the scenes. You know, pre-ticket sales are down. Um, the, there's so many things you can pick up for it, and I think Variety were kind of just going after what was an easy target with that. Um, there's also another, you know, the, the article takes a big focus on Jonathan Majors, and it talks about how there was basically the the Palm Springs Resort, which is when lots of the heads at Marvel kind of get together and they oh. discuss what the future is of the franchise. Now, apparently, they did toy with the idea of getting rid of Jonathan Majors and bringing in a villain like Doctor Doom instead. Now, there are certain... I know we, we've been saying a lot of this stuff's been debunked, but I, I, I do believe there are certain parts of this article that are true and maybe some that have just been... You know, over sensationalized because that's that's what journalism is. They they know they sure. can get certain points in, and then they'll be like, "Well, yeah. we'll use some journalistic creativity to kind of puff up the story." But I think you would be absolutely stupid to think that at no point have Marvel been like, "Crap, what are we going to do about Jonathan Majors?" Yeah. Because you know, there's the potential there for a PR nightmare, especially with the trial beginning to start soon. And I think they might have looked at other options, but whether that's the case. It's difficult to say. Obviously, we were recording this before the Loki finale. One of the big quotes in the article was actually talking about how Marvel's kind of effed if, because of the Loki finale because it kind of sets Kang up for a big thing. Now, Alex Perez, um, they've actually come out and debunked that with, along with another uh, couple of other scoopers. Um, Perez is a very, very you know reliable with Marvel and stuff. So, but we're, we're going to see how this plays out. Um, I was actually thinking they could do Doctor Doom, and and one of the big points of contention I've always had with Secret Wars is why Kang was the villain in the first place. Because look, Secret Wars from the eighties, Doctor Doom's the villain in that. Secret Wars from two thousand fifteen, Doctor Doom's the villain in that. I don't get. It would be like doing. Gone, let's do Age of Ultron with Thanos. What? What? You see what I'm saying? It's kind of yeah. a bit weird. Um, but in case you guys don't know, basically that the the, the villain in secret wars is the beyonder or the beyonders which are kind of godlike creatures that control everything at one point in the story dr doom manages to steal their power and he becomes like a god himself and then he he's the real villain of the entire thing so i was thinking say what they could do is kang becomes the beyonder at some point during kang dynasty dr doom then seals his powers boom secret wars let's go baby dr doom's now the main villain and it's true to the source material so yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, but just the whole thing with Jonathan Majors, the Marvel have obviously not made a decision yet because they haven't released anything publicly and they're very much keeping things close to the chest, seeing how this plays out. But how do you think is best to navigate this this situation with him? And do you think they'll do any drastic changes like that? And do you kind of hope they bring in Doctor Doom? Questions of course need I answers, Greg. Dude, of course I hope they bring in Doctor Doom. 
it does seem a little odd to do Secret Wars without Doctor Doom. We got the Fantastic Four being introduced. Seem they seem poised for an opportunity to finally introduce the guy. And a lot of this variety article, you know, we a lot of people are like trying to like debunk certain things or see what is. And there's some stuff that I have a hard time believing. But when 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 a lot of this really comes down to, they had a conversation, not a not like we've made a decision, but they've had a conversation. Of course, they've had a conversation. Why wouldn't they have a conversation? I hope they have a conversation. I hope they explore options. Why wouldn't you in a situation like this, when you have a actor in a particular situation that can be very problematic for your whole franchise when so much hinges on this? Yeah, it makes sense to me that they would at least consider it. I, I don't think they should make any decisions until after the trial is done. Yeah, I think we've seen it plenty of times now with celebrities where studios have made decisions based off of, you know, stuff they're seeing on Twitter or what current public reception is the things prior to letting a trial play out or, or letting all the evidence come to light. So I think before they make any decision on Jonathan Majors, let the trial play out. And if he's found guilty, then you really got to make a decision. And it seems like what the decision would be probably be an obvious one at that point uh, if he's found not guilty then still proceed like how is the public going to feel about it but that's all things to consider later on down the road i think i think what's difficult with marvel though is he's getting set up as the big main villain of the next phase exactly. or this phase that we're in actually so he's going to be in so many different projects that they're all going to be shooting at the moment that are going to release after the trial and it exactly. kind of hits a point where it's like can they go back and reshoot all this? Now, obviously, Ezra Miller is another person who, sort of similar situation, public perception-wise, you know, they're in a big superhero movie. It's kind of balanced on their shoulders. And there was a time, definitely during The Flash, where a lot of the talk was reshoot it, just reshoot it. I, I do feel that they have to almost make a decision very, very soon because it's not just the case of one movie where if he gets found guilty, it's going to affect that. It's going to be a lot of different projects, and if he does get found guilty, that you know it's it's going to cause issues. Now, obviously, innocent until proven guilty, but I, I can see at least why there would be conversations about we need a backup plan in case stuff happens. Well, is how much? I don't think a lot has actually been shot for the future for for King. I, I know that there's probably things written down. I know there's things that are. Uh, considered of where an appearance has to go and and whatnot and the strategy of that, I think what what's mainly going to be involved in is rewriting and re-strategizing versus having to reshoot because I think most of what he's it's probably all in Loki season two. I, I mean, at least looking at the upcoming projects of things that are filmed, like I don't think it's going to be in Captain America. Maybe he has a cameo in Deadpool three. Uh, beyond that, I I can't really see something where yeah, for sure Kang is going to appear in this and then the question becomes like even without jonathan majors you know when thinking about the loki season two viewership and i'd be i'd really be curious to see what the comments on this video have to say about why the loki season two viewership dipped because we remember how when loki season one ended and jonathan majors was introduced as he who remains and it created this big conversation about what the mcu is going to unfold into and the, the craziness that's about to come our way and nothing really became of it and then Jonathan Majors didn't return until Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And while there is a debate where some people, like he gives a great performance, but a lot of people, even 
folks like you and I who thought he was the best part of that movie. Still, the way he ultimately gets defeated in that did not leave us as excited for Kang as we would like to be. Some people really defend it. That's fine if you feel that way. Totally respect it. Uh, personally, I am on the on the camp that was like, yep, wasn't a fan of the way he ultimately went down in that movie. And that does, again, kind of dilute your anticipation and excitement for Kang the Conqueror in general when he keeps showing up and keeps getting axed, you know? And and then Loki season two, the a lot of the promotion for that, while not featuring Jonathan Majors, significantly on camera in the trailers there was an emphasis on king the conqueror again and maybe the hype for just king the character has gone down now and people are not as intrigued by him anymore because there was that piece in the variety article that did say they were considering you know maybe re-strategizing before any of this stuff with jonathan major's arrest came to light and i could believe that part of the conversation granted yeah, I think that's bullshit. Yeah, the part of me that I think it was annoying if they did consider it, if they were like, oh, Quantumania uh, underperformed, maybe people don't care about King. I'm like, well, that's a big problem with Marvel then. If if that is a real conversation you're having, I'm like, well, you don't, you should be making a good Ant-Man movie. You shouldn't be pinging all your bets on uh, hyping up Kang in your Ant-Man movie. You should be focused on your film. And that's where Marvel's problems that's an even bigger Marvel problem at that point if I not focus on just making a great Ant-Man movie by trying to like, let's let's gauge the audience and what they think about Kang on this one. So yeah, I think I think that this is a very convoluted mess. But well, I agree with you. I do agree that they have to make a decision probably before this trial wraps up because the trial can last a while longer. Yeah. So I guess they have to see how it's progressing <laughs> and like what they're gonna have to anticipate the outcome. I think the issue with Kang is that there's so many versions of him that if you start killing them all off every time we meet one, it kind of makes the threat less severe because it's like, well, Ant-Man's beaten him. You know, he got killed during Loki season two. Sylvie killed one of them. Mm. Whereas, and this is another thing that Marvel kind of changed for the MCU. Kang wasn't really a multiversal character almost. uh, he can't, He had different versions of himself, but he was always a time traveler. And going back in time, that's what created the the alternate versions of him. Whereas here, it's like, no, he exists in all different realities and stuff like that. And they kind of have changed Kang a bit. You know, he wasn't always multiversal. It was more time traveling. He'd yeah. pop up at certain points throughout time and, and change things. Um, whereas he was kind of m- more of a threat in that because it was like he could go back in time and change something in the past that would massively alter the future and he could invade certain parts of time and change history and stuff. Whereas now it's kind of like, well, he's, he fights through the multiverse, wiping out timelines. So th- there is a, a different side to it. Um, but yeah, I, I personally believe the whole thing of we were thinking of recasting him after Quantumania or going in a different direction. Sorry. I think that's probably bullshit. And I think that's kind of if they do get rid of him, it'll be like, well, we, we didn't do that. If this article is indeed true, which again, it might not be. And one of the big points of contention that's actually come out and they've said that it's not true is the whole thing with the Blade movie where, oh my God. You, yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, it was, um, they were talking about how Blade was one version of the script. He was the fourth lead in the film and it was going to be a female led film about life lessons or something. And um, one of the writers actually came out and they basically said, so this, so this was the most recent writer 
they they said um michael starbury we basically had all this info um compiled by our, our guy mo from streamer who kind of put this all together but he's outright denied this and said that he's never seen a version where the script was this um and yeah it does sound kind of weird because that sounds like I mean, some south park pandaverse shit <laughs> honestly yeah it literally was the, the pandaverse yeah. and that was like the perfect meme for it um but mahershala ali he looks like blade he sounds like blade yeah he acts like blade two-time oscar winner he's basically blade i don't get why there was ever like we're gonna make a movie about blade we've got the perfect guy for it but it's gonna be about women so personally i I don't know how much legitimacy there is to that it might be the case but yeah for the for one of the most recent writers to come out and say that's not true i mean variety yep you don't know I just I don't care how much progressive pandering Disney can, can do. I, I have the hardest time. I I genuinely have the hardest time believing that that version of that script existed. It, it yeah. seems just so far fetched, way too far fetched for me to believe that they had someone take the time to actually write that. Because you, you don't cook that out in a day. You know that takes time to put a screenplay together, and I have the hardest time believing that kevin feige was there going yeah this is the direction we need to take i i don't believe it that sounds like some crazy to be fair though there were lots of rumors last year that it was going to be blade's daughter it was going to be focused on her blade della we'll call her but um you know this that's how these rumors spread you know that's how they pick stuff up yeah. we, we don't know we're probably never going to see that movie um there's a big song and dance on at the moment saying that blades are rated officially but it I'm sure be. they announced that last year because I'm sure that was in the Hollywood Reporter last year. But you see how these stories just come up up and over again. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah, that that was the bit. That's probably the story with the biggest contention, along with what's happening with the Marvels and stuff. Um. There was also a bit that talked about how Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson have been asked back for, uh, uh to basically reprise the roles as their characters i, I believe that's real I, I think that's true but i think that was always going to be the case with secret wars i think the the older characters have all been asked to come back for this you know i think chris evans probably going to be back as captain america um so i don't know how much of a big scoop that was uh but yeah that was kind of another point but yeah very strange article it kind of I, blew up last week, and then there's been so much backlash from the the Marvel fans who've been going over it bit by bit and taking it all down. I do think Blade, in order for them to gain control and a little bit more of a positive direction for its behind the scenes crap, because it's regardless, like even if I don't believe this one script development part, it's so obvious this movie has had many production problems, right? Because well, it was released, um, announced four years ago. Exactly. We know that there's there's problems happening with this film. Undoubtedly, there's a problems. And I think one way to regain a little bit of positive momentum would be to make it an R-rated film. We have to just realize that not, most of us know Blade not from reading him from the comics. We know him from an R-rated franchise. And that's part of the excitement of having to come in. Deadpool 3 to me is not the exact same thing as making blade R rated. Cause that is a sequel that they are inheriting. That is going to cross over to the MCU. This is a new franchise that they would be starting in the Marvel cinematic universe, a new film franchise. And if they are willing to honor 
an R rating for Blade, which just seems like it should be considering the fact that Blade became popular, not from the comics, Blade became popular because of an R-rated franchise, then they should make it R-rated. And I think that would definitely gain a little bit more positive traction for people. Even just looking at what happened with the Echo trailer, people seeing that they kept Kingpin here and it has a, like, a, maybe it won't be as R-rated as the Netflix shows, but it has an R-rated vibe about it. That does something for audiences. And I really feel like Blade needs to be R-rated. And I think it would help them rebound some of this conversation, man. They should do it. They absolutely should. Yeah. The fact they're willing to do it with Echo, I think, you know, that that's good for me. That that shows they're at least considering it. And like Moon Knight was a big one where they were making a big song and dance about how it was going to be the goriest, most violent MCU <laughs> yeah. thing you've ever seen. And you watch it and say, like, eh, is it though? Is kind of like <laughs> kind of like a CW fight. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of I believe that I personally believe the the MCU should be evolving with its audience. You know, like I mentioned before, I don't think that kids are growing up with it because there's so much stuff to catch up on. And I think the smartest way to go about it is to basically grow with the audience. You know, we're getting older. We want to see more mature stuff. So why not give more mature stuff to us? Comics in general did that. I mean, if you look at the Bronze Age and Silver Age, they're all kind of aimed mm-hmm. at teens. And then when we got into the 80s, that's when stuff really got you know dark and gritty and grounded but the the audience could handle it at that point because they'd grown up at, and and followed the comics and they wanted something more kind of adult for themselves and since then comics are, are definitely comics almost feel like an adult genre um and there was definitely a point where it was like our oh, comics are for kids but now if you look at the stories there's definitely that feeling that you know adults can enjoy them as well and i think the mcu needs to go in that direction too and 100%. kind of have have the odd project that that's aimed at kids and stuff but you know you can totally like even the start of the mcu you know that that first iron man movie sure kids could enjoy but it definitely has a more kind of adult tone to it you know it's dealing with an arms dealer in the middle east and stuff and then they've kind of went more wacky with things now speaking of wacky and fun greg the marvels was described as wacky and fun but it hasn't exactly translated a pre-ticket sales and at the moment Apparently, according to Deadline, they're reportedly pacing behind Black Adam and The Flash. Okay. Now, the the trailer, the final trailer is going to release tonight during a, a sports game in America. I think it's a football game, American football. We won't yep. piss off the, the English people who listen to this channel. Um, but from what I've heard, there's a, a, a well, we're releasing this tomorrow, so I can spoil it and you guys know if I'm right or not. Valkyrie's going to cameo in the trailer, but there's not going to be anything about the post credit scene, um, which... You guys watch this channel, you probably already have it spoiled for yourself. Um, So they're clearly trying to drum up as much interest as possible. You know, things are down to the wire at the moment. Um, And locally in China, apparently it's going to be debuting just ahead of Shazam Fury of the Gods. But it's got a very, very low pre-sale ticket. Got a very low pre-sale ticket kickoff. Got there in the end. Um, so yeah, Greg, why why do you think the the interest has just been weak and down? Is it is it fatigue? I feel like I'm going to hear the the word fatigue 400 times in the next week, Greg. What am I going to do? I mean, the tra- the trailers don't sell you. There's a lot the trailers are not really selling you on. Like it's really relying on just to think about it. It's really relying on people who watch the Disney Plus shows. And Captain Marvel was not that beloved. 
like we just got to face facts on that. There are some who love, and I'm not attacking those who feel that they loved Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm, if you if you look at reception of the film and the character, didn't exactly generate the most hype of when are we going to see Captain Marvel again? When are we going to see this character again? It, it plain and simple, it just didn't generate that conversation uh, to the to the heights that they wanted it to. And then Miss Marvel it still did Wall- well though. It it did well. Very but well. I'm talking about the reception in terms of the aftermath audience. and how it's looked back on now is kind of yeah. That's what I'm yeah. That's what I'm referring to is the emotional association and the anticipation of wanting to see this character again. I, like I'm looking forward to it, sure. But then you know you got Kamala Khan who from uh, Miss Marvel, which was a great show, but wasn't a huge show. And then in WandaVision, you know you got. She's come, she's coming back. She's cool. I love WandaVision. That was a great show. Uh, but her, her character was not really much of the talk for me, uh, for a lot of us. She was, she was someone that we, the, the drumming of the conversation was not really the most prevalent with her. And then the trailers, they have a villain there, I think, but they're not really showing you who the villain is. There's yeah. a plot that doesn't feel like the clearest in the trailer. Like you can decipher it and you can watch trailer breakdowns and do your best to understand it. I think if, but I think for like a general audience member, if you're watching that trailer, you're like, I don't really know who the villain is. I'm not even sure what the plot of this movie is. (laughs) You know, like there's a lot in those trailers that it's a lot of imagery and wackiness without it being really clear what it is that makes this different, unique. And what is this really about? You know? Uh, Cause I, 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 I had to like look up, things beforehand before watching the trailer to understand exactly what the film is going to ultimately be about as well and i don't that's a that's just a theory like i have no real idea why um this is probably not doing as well there's also the far there's also the superhero fatigue part too yeah there's there's the marvel fatigue part you know i think there is that what if something doesn't look special or unique enough there could be that. Don't element. forget, Greg. It's a it's a sequel to Secret Invasion as well, and uh, yeah, everyone seems to love invasion. that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of factors of why it's probably not going to perform that well. There's a lot. I kind of feel bad for for Zoe Ashton, who's playing Darben in the film, because um, she's in a relationship with Tom Hiddleston, and they've both got what? projects releasing on Friday. Did you not what? know that? I did yeah, not bo- know they've that. They've both got. Yeah, so they've they've both got MCU projects releasing on Friday because we've got the the Loki finale as well, and I I kind of feel bad if one of them's crap and everyone's like, and one of them's really good and everyone's congratulating, you know, given like, oh well done, I saw your MCU project, it was so good, and then they turn the other one like, I'm sure yours is great too, you know, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that splits up relationships, Greg. They're gonna be one of them's gonna feel jealous, they're gonna feel bitter. So I'm hoping that both do well because I want to see these two hit the moon. If that's is that a saying? I don't know, but I want to see them hit the moon. We'll make it a saying now. Um, and I think obviously you know when it's a female superhero team, even saying female, I feel like I'm kind of you know those females. I, I feel like I'm I'm turning into a bit of an insult just using that word, Greg. But you know when there's superhero teams that are women you you are going to have some people who the, the misogyny conversation is always going to come up um and that can either be used to, uh, to deflect or it's going to have legitimate points in it that you can kind of apply to it 
Um, you've also got like Marvel fatigue, superhero fatigue, that sort of thing. You know, every superhero movie bar Guardians of the Galaxy this year has underperformed. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, though, it all just boils down to a lack of interest. And, you know, it, it's even the same with our videos, Greg. Our podcast last week, highest viewed podcast that we've ever done. The week before, it's like 25,000 views, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. purely down to how we've probably titled it or done the it. thumbnail. Or yeah. it, There's ways to generate interest that make people watch our videos, and this translates to every single aspect of viewership and life and just getting people to watch things. You know, there, there could be the best program on Netflix. Bodies, for example, on Netflix, really, really good, but it's initial week, they didn't really generate any interest in it because they didn't market it. You know, people didn't go out and see it. And what it's been carried by is good word of mouth and me telling people to go and watch it because it's a very, very good time travel story. Um, but yeah, I think it just boils down to lack of interest. And um, well, you know, why why is Loki down? Because it's there's a lack of interest, you know. Uh, it, it's just because, you know, it, people just aren't interested in these characters to the point that they want to go out and do it. and you can take a terrible movie and people are interested in it and they'll go see it. I mean, we see this time and time again, five nights at Freddy's, for example, we didn't think that was a good movie. You know, on the whole, it's getting panned by critics, but the fan base is there. They're interested in seeing it. So they'll go out and see it. And that's all it boils down to Greg is lack of interest. And whether, you know, the, the movie's good or not, we don't know yet, but they haven't sold it as something we should be interested in. Now, a perfect case study on this, Greg, is the first Captain Marvel movie. How did they get us interested in that? Sandwiched it between Infinity War and Endgame, sold it as you have to go and see it. People were very interested in the end of Infinity War. They were desperate to know what was going to happen in Endgame. Their interest was at an all-time high, which was demonstrated by the Endgame opening weekend box office, which was over a billion dollars just in that opening weekend insanity and that shows how interested people were in that so even little side things people are gonna gonna go see it but i think just the way the the mcu is structured at the moment there's not that driving force to get people on board and desperate to go see it and they're kind of i don't know they just haven't sold the movie that we need to care or go see it like i'm mt's going to the screening for our channel i'm gonna probably go see it maybe next week whereas i'd be there opening weekend but i'm just like no, I'll, I can wait and see see how the reception is. I mean, it's been almost three. It's been more several years since um since since Captain Marvel was last seen, right? In Avengers Endgame, and and it's been. Don't almost, forget what if, Greg. Don't forget that. What if? I will never forget you. that after you reminded me. Every uh, week I remind you, and you forget about it. <laughs> And it's been almost three years since we met Monica Rambeau in in WandaVision. And, I, and I, you know, thinking back on it now, I, I take some of it back, what I just said like a few minutes ago, that there was an interest in who she was becoming in, in WandaVision, right? But that was like three years ago, almost three years ago. And a lot of other properties have come out since then, you know? And this, and this is the problem when you oversaturate the marvel brand when you when you're doing too many things that you kind of forget about some stuff and you lose interest in the follow-ups of things because like loki's been the, the reoccurring subject throughout this whole conversation and loki season one man i could really go back to that time and it was it was such a phenomenon 
And to see the viewership dip, I was like, well, a billion other things have come out since then. And maybe a lot of people just don't give a shit anymore to, to see the follow-up to it for a variety of reasons. And thinking about the Marvels, like, it's, it's probably coming out a little too late, honestly, you know, uh, for, for this mashup. Like, we've only seen Monica. Am I wrong about that? Have we seen Monica Rambeau in other things uh, out, out after WandaVision? Is there something I'm forgetting? I feel like there might have been a post credit scene. No, sorry. No, there wasn't. I'm trying it's because I've watched that that post credit scene so many times, you know, for, for one division. It's um because when we were talking about secret invasion, I right, kept right. Uh, <laughs> I kept using that over and over again. No, I'm pretty sure she hasn't no, she hasn't. I've just checked uh, Google. No, not yeah. being in it. Yeah, it's just been it's too long of a wait to really because now I'm like jogging my memory about her and and yeah, it's been a long time since Carol Danvers and and like Kamala Khan. Yeah, this is, this is a bummer, man. This is a bummer. Yeah. I, what I'm hoping for for this movie, what I'm really hoping for uh, on my optimistic side is it seems likely that it's not going to have a good opening weekend. I'm hoping that people love it enough where word of mouth can be strong on it, that it, <laughs> this is really optimistic, <laughs> that it could you know, generate some good box office revenue and, and change the conversation around it. It's been a while since we've had a film like that where it underperforms opening weekend, but people love it so much that it ends up killing it at the box office for the next few weeks. And it would be cool to see that happen for this film because at the end of the day, it does seem like there's a lot of passion that was put into it. And the performers, I really, like I said, I love Amon Vellani. I think she's one of the best cast actors in all of the mcu so uh that's my main my main drive for wanting you to do well is i really want her to just get bolstered up a little bit more because i don't really like yeah she deserves it i think she does she's a big comic book fan as well yeah um now i know there's the the whole audience split on it as well um interestingly i was looking at the demographics for the first captain marvel's movie and Captain Marvel's idiot over here. Um, it was mainly men who went out to see it, actually. Whereas I feel like this film, they've kind of marketed it more towards women. And I believe they've tried to, you know, Barbie, massive movie. They've obviously tried to do that. But, you know, we talked about this last week. Barbie is a kid, like a kid's toy that girls grew up with. And that is a staple of pretty much most girls' childhood. You know what I mean? They all had Barbies. I had a sister. She had about 20 different Barbies all the time. Um, whereas, you know, that my sister didn't have any Captain Marvel figures, didn't have Ms. Marvel, didn't have Photon ones. And I feel like that movie, especially for women, was always going to do well because it's like something that they all grew up with. Whereas the the Marvels, they've tried to market it like that, but it's like, who are you? You know what I mean? It's sure. my wife. My wife, my, we went to the cinema last week and we were sitting and my wife was like, I really want a chick flick. I would really want to see a chick flick. And I went, oh, well, the Marvels is coming out. And she's like, oh, that just seems more like a superhero movie. And it, it's kind of in this weird place where it is, you know, it's being pushed towards women, but I don't necessarily know that women are, are even receiving that message and understanding that it's for them. And on the other side of this, I think men are kind of feeling like, oh, well, maybe this isn't for me. You know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. It, it's it's in a weird place marketing wise, and I know it's got Samuel L. Jackson and stuff, but he's not really being pushed. And it, it's kind of who's your demographic here now? Marvel Comics they've always skewed male, 
Um, and I think they've kind of forgot that almost a lot of the time in, in kind of pushing this. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't push this stuff. Please don't take my words out of context and thing. I'm saying that, you know, it's a boys club only. Obviously, you know, that this stuff should be accessible to a lot of people. Um, but it just kind of feels like they've almost lost the way on, on who to market it to because Marvel is such a brand associated with men that if a, even if a Marvel project comes out, that's for women they don't necessarily associate that you know what i mean it's kind of i'm trying to think of like like action man imagine if they came out with action man but they were like it's for women i don't know if women would necessarily instantly associate with that and and want to do it um so i hope i've made my point succinct there yeah it's just it's just a weird thing that i think always boils down to lack of interest and i think no matter what kind of things you throw at it whether it's like we're in a pandemic or you know spider-man no way home show that even in like a really bad week of the pandemic people will go out and put their health at risk to see people that movie were willing to. yeah yeah same thing when it's like oh well the weather's really bad so we, 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 people didn't go out for that reason i think when the weather's bad people will go out and see that movie and i think you know when it's an mcu movie if people feel like they need to see it they will move heaven and earth to go and see that film um like people the amount of people that take days off work to, to to go see a Marvel movie, you know what I mean? Even work can't get, even money can't get in the way. It's like, I need to just take a day out to watch this movie. I don't feel like that. that's necessarily there with the Marvels. Um, hope right. it does well. You know, it's better for us if it does because we we get more views and pays the bills and stuff. Um, but yeah, just a very strange time in general for the, the genre. It's a weird time for DC to be rebooting as well because it's kind of like, by the time you, you bring things back around, is the, the superhero interest going to be killed? You know what I mean? I think right. there will always be those kind of, the, the, those characters that constantly have a fan base, for example, Batman, um, Spider-Man, but even, even stuff like we talked about before with the kids kind of not getting into this stuff because it's so inaccessible to them because of how much stuff they've got to got to watch out for. For example, Batman, there's like a reboot of him pretty much every 10 years. You know, same with James Bond. You know, you have your 60s Batman, 89 Batman that has its own franchise thing and then it dies off and then Nolan reboots it with his trilogy and then that kind of, that finishes and then you get Snyder's version and there's these jumping on points for for new people to come on board. Whereas the MCU, where is the jumping on point for new people? You know what I mean? It It's like, where should I start with the MCU? Iron Man from 2008. And then you've got to watch all this stuff. Whereas if you go to someone like, where should I start with the the DCEU? Oh yeah, Man of Steel. And then watch Batman v Superman. And you're instantly caught up to it. Whereas here it's kind of like, eh, it's it's difficult to kind of convince people they need to get on board this stuff. Well, it, they, they've released so much too that it doesn't even give time to get a new audience member. You know, Doctor Who is one of the longest lasting franchises ever. Now, I've never seen classic Who. I've seen all of Doctor Who starting from the Eccleston uh, debut when it got like the official reboot. But even then, like when I started, it was kind of a daunting prospect. But because they're not releasing a Doctor Who thing every three months, it gave me time to catch up to it to now where they have the whatever anniversary special is coming out uh, at the end of this month. Where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually caught up with Doctor Who. I can I can enjoy this with the rest of the world now. 
and the MCU does not allot that time <laughs> to just let like newcomers come in because they're releasing yeah. stuff so often. Yeah, James Bond, I think, is the perfect example. I was actually thinking today, and I put this out as a tweet, how many franchises are there that you can think of where they've pretty much replaced most of the core cast and they've still they've still remained as popular and as well-loved as they originally mm. were? I think Star Wars definitely when it did the prequels and stuff. They, you know, sure, sure. I say as well loved. Obviously, the prequels at the time were hated, but they've kind of gained a fan base now where people appreciate them a lot more. Um, but the the ones that constantly came up, for example, like your Jurassic Park, they did a they did a reboot with Jurassic World. You know what I mean? Um, people were mentioning Doctor Who, obviously, and there were also lots of replies about James Bond. And I feel there's very much these reboot points in those where it's like, right, new fans come on board at this point when they get a new actor in and they kind of restylize yeah. everything. And at the moment, the MCU hasn't got that. Whether it does it with Secret Wars, we're going to have to see. But I feel that they need to do that to survive because we're kind of hitting the point now where it's like, yeah, we're still on board, but but we're kind of obligated to be on board at this point because we've been with it for so long. Um, and yeah, it's kind of kind of all over the place. Like oh, even what? Game of Thrones or something, you know, that there'll be people who watch, who watched House of the Dragon who haven't. I know them as well that didn't go back and rewatch all of Game of Thrones. They just saw it as like, oh, there's a new point. This show's really popular. I can jump on with House of the Dragon and not have to worry too much. Well, I I think too. I mean, to the point that you were making earlier the MCU seems a little bit afraid to grow with its audience. If you do too much of the same kind of structure or vibe for so long, I think that's why when they they're doing things that feel more mature, whether it's venturing into something that feels a little darker, like Loki season two or a more mature trailer, like echo, uh, you know, when they do things like that, it's because, it's it's been around for 10 years a lot of the audience is growing uh, more than 10 years now it's it's they're growing up with this and it seems like they get it's a hodgepodge where they tr sometimes you think they're getting more mature and then other times it seems like they're getting more disnified than ever before and i i think that they have to be embrace growing up with the audience and understand that even bond had to mature like bringing up bond you know, even they decided to go for like their grittiest version with Daniel Craig. And that ended up panning out very, very well for them and delivered some of the most successful Bond movies of all time. And I think the MCU needs to needs to embrace that fact as well. They they, they just plain and simple have to. Yeah, they, they don't really give room for anticipation either. You know, like I said, yeah. releasing Loki and Echo on the same day, releasing the Loki finale and Captain Marvel. I I still can't get my head around that. And every single person who comes back at it, it's like, well, it gives us more content to watch. What are you complaining about? And I'm like, you, you don't, you really don't get it. Like there's a reason why Apple don't release like five different iPhones on the same day that, are, you know, you have to, yeah. you take the conversation away from those two projects because you split what people are talking about. And we live in a world of trending and, online discourse where that helps to boost the popularity of Definitely. something because people get to talk about it and yeah having having your two two big projects that you spent probably half a billion dollars on combined at least i'd say um you know that's budget and then having to market it i mean 
the the budget of the Marvels is absolutely insane. I'm guessing that Loki's, you know, in the the hundred million dollar range. So yeah, you're looking about half a million, half a billion dollars. Um, and to put them both out on the same day and have people having to talk about one, you know, having to go somewhere to watch it while they can't watch it because they're watching something else, which it's it's just insane. Um, and I, I just can't get my head around it. I think you could have released them at different points and you'd have all the focus on that. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it's almost kind of like, oh, we've got another Marvel thing for you. Oh, we've got a, it's like, yeah, can, can you just back off, mate? I need to. Uh, I want to just sit down and watch some Japanese horror, mate. And you keep sending all this stuff my way. It's just just like when people <laughs> spam you all the time. Like one one thing about being a YouTuber is uh, there was a point where I was just releasing like five videos a day. I was like, why aren't the views on this really good? And it's like, because you need to give people a break, give people time off. Me and Canadian lad, yeah, we, we do very similar videos from time to time, but his feel like special events. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't do that many. Whereas it's with me, it's just like, oh, it's another heavy spoilers video. Fuck them. I'm not watching any of this shit. And that's kind of what I feel is kind of almost with Marvel right now. It's like, oh, it's another Marvel project instead of, oh, it's a Marvel project. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You can't run your movie studio like a... Because uh, while Marvel's is while there's like Marvel Studios, you can't run your franchise like just some crazy content machine. You know, <laughs> like you have to yeah. have the feeling of anticipation and the anticipation Definitely. does more for you than anything else. And, yeah, and no. that's the part of it where, ah, uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of miss it. I, I it's kind of crazy to see how used to it we, we, we are now. We're just, I don't, I don't really anticipate too much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Look, at, I mean, sad. Spider-Man No Way Home was the perfect example. Like even just the anticipation for the trailer, that was insane. Because they were they were just held off everything yeah. and were just drip feeding us with like one set image a month and it's like oh my god Spider Man No Way Home is gonna yeah. be the best movie ever um and yeah it's kind of that there's not that time to get excited for something because it's like expected almost you know what I mean I doubt people yeah. get that excited to watch soap operas because they probably offer a couple of hours where it's like I can't wait to see what happens tonight but. Yeah, when you've got so many projects coming out, it's it's difficult to to maintain that hype and that buzz like we used to have, where it was an event. You know what I mean? The, the year was broken up into like, oh, there's a Marvel movie in two months' time. I can't wait to see it. So yeah, kind of lots of reasons, definitely there. Um, Do you think that when Marvel fails, Kevin Feige is going to create a fake account and go on Twitter and respond to yeah. all the critics? <laughs> I'm sure Feige watches our podcast and he. Um, he responds every week and he, he's like, yeah. I hate those. You guys smell. I can smell you through the Thank screen. You, you smell crap. Especially you, Paul. You smell beautiful, though. Um, so, yeah, lots of uh, big news stories this week. HBO executive has been named in a lawsuit. Um, and what's basically come out is that <laughs> Casey Bloys, um, the HBO then president of original programming, he basically asked his staff to create burner accounts and go after reviewers who were slagging off Perry Mason. And what it turned into was him basically uh, telling the staff, like, look, mate, this guy's wrote a nasty review. Can you go on and call him a wanker or something? And there was lots of weird identity politics with it. For example, if you went on the bios of these fake accounts, it was like vegan, proud mother. It's like, whoa. <laughs> you're making yeah, it's like really weird uh, 
Look, I just didn't. Great, we are great people, and we hate your review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but you actually, so it's a, it should be a bigger story than it is, I think, personally, um, for this head of HBO to be going after reviewers who didn't like um, certain TV shows. Um, but what he said was he came out and actually released an apology. He said, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm programming executive and I'm very, very passionate about the shows that we decided to do and the people who decided to do them and the people who work them. I want the shows to be great. So when you think of that mindset and then think of 2020 and 2021, I'm working from home, spending an unhealthy amount of time scrolling through Twitter. And I came with a very, very dumb idea to vent my frustration. And he continued by saying, Obviously, six tweets over an year and a half is not very effective, but I do apologize to people who are mentioned in the leaked emails and texts. It's not It's not going to be just six. There's no way it's just six tweets, mate. It's going to be more than that, I'm sure. But even still, to think like, like, Greg, we get loads of crap all the time, oh, like God. loads and loads of negative oh, comments. God. I'm I'm not being hyperbolic here, but I could probably spend every hour of the day arguing with people nonstop. Um, but you you just kind of you've you've got to take it on the chin, um, or ignore it. And you know, sometimes you I, I, sometimes I'll read negative comments and I'll be like, oh, they're just going at me there. Sometimes I'll read them and I'll be like, you know what? They've said something in there that I can definitely apply to myself and yeah. maybe they, you know, sometimes it's just a constructive comment. Sometimes they'll they'll say it in a negative way, but it'll have a constructive point in it. And you just kind of got to be like, you know, I'm very lucky to be doing this thing. Um take it on board and just don't argue with people because I don't want to spend my day arguing with people in the comments. Um but for him to just make burner accounts and go after people, it's a bit. It's like some terminally online behavior, Greg. And like I, the the guy who compiled the list before Mo, he he was talking the other week, and he was like, "Oh, do you never just respond to comments and like have fights with people?" I was like, "Nope." And he was like, "Have you not even got any burner accounts?" And I screenshotted him my logins where you can see like all the profiles you have, and it was just my profile on like Twitter mm-hmm. and YouTube, and I'm like, "Look, mate." You don't want to get into the whole burner account thing because you'll get sucked into doing it all day and responding to every single comment from your burner yeah. account and wasting your time because this kind of thing happens and it's just it's a complete waste of time and he's an absolute idiot for doing it. Um, and the fact that he hasn't gotten any trouble for it and can just apologize, it's it's weird, man. It's weird. I, I kind of wish that I'd know because for years, Greg, I've been trying to get a contact for the head of HBO and all I really had to do was say, Mayor of Easttown was shit, and they would have hit me up. You know what I mean? I'm kind of kind of looking back like, oh, I wish I'd done that instead. But what were your thoughts on this story, Greg? I mean, I didn't know about it until we were going to do the podcast. It's such a, it is a fascinating story to me. It's incredibly, it's, it's weird because one part of me is like, it's because we know so many YouTubers and because ourselves have, I mean, I, I know you've dealt with a lot of hate on certain subjects. I've dealt with hate on certain subjects. One very recently where I was hating you up and I was up all night dealing with something. And I was tempted to respond to yeah. everyone, but I didn't respond to anyone. I like put out one tweet about it and I, I, let, I let it be at that. And um, 
because I've I've definitely had my cycles where I go down the path of I have been arguing with this person. I cannot tell you I've I've gotten into like I've spent hours arguing with this this one commentator, and to and I can't tell you the name of any of them. None. Yeah. I've, I've dedicated so much time in the past to dealing with this. So I'm like, all right, I'm 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 more used to this. I know that eventually this will pass. And even though I'm upset now, this feeling of being upset, this will also pass. <laughs> it's such a different scale, though, when you're like um, yeah. Casey Bloys and you are doing like the most petty shit and you're having your staff do it. It's one thing when it's like I'm yeah. a YouTuber and uh, I just need to get something out of my system. It's still not the healthiest thing. It's still not the greatest thing. I just I don't do burner shit because it's more about the mentality aspect of it of what it's going to do to consume my mind and what it'll do to my my emotional well-being and i know what that exposure does to me but this is a a a level of like he is in a completely different power position and it's while sure human it's also very petty and not right to do of your employees at the same time like there's no excuse for this and I can't imagine it's only six tweets because I'm like, no way. There's just no way that it could be just six tweets. It'd be like you have too yeah. much power at your disposal and it's kind of hard to uncover these. Uh, I, I can imagine how much more he probably did on his own time. And yeah, it's it's also very disrespectful to the uh, to the critics as well, who they went to go target because it is it is an act of like cyberbullying at that point. You know, and I don't I don't agree with it. It's one thing if the critics are because the critics, I'm sure, are formulating their their shit in a way that is meant to be a critical analysis. You know, like it, like when you're talking, when you're telling me that sometimes you get a hate comment or you get certain criticisms and then once in a while you can actually hear, oh, there's there is something there that I could take away and perhaps make my channel or myself a little bit better. When you do something like this. That is that shows like, oh, you are not one of those leaders who is willing to hear criticism to be able to make your product better. And to me, I'm like, I don't think someone like that should be in charge then. Maybe they have changed. Maybe they're a different person now. It was a while ago. I understand. Um, yeah. But when, when I first I hear this, it sounds really, really bad and not someone who should be in a leadership position, plain and simple. Yes. So I have seen counter arguments where it's like movie critics are dickheads. Go after this. Fair enough. That's that's a fine opinion to have. Um, I think where you step over the line though is when you ask staff to do it because yeah. that's kind of putting pressure on them to do it. Because if it's your boss and it's you ugly. have a job and you you might be worried about getting fired or something, and the boss says, "Go shred those um account stuff," you know, "Go shred those pension forms," or and also while you're there, set up a fake account on Twitter and go after this this reviewer because he said a show was shit and I bloody hate him. It just kind of steps over the line and it's, it's pressuring your staff into doing something that isn't, you know, it it could get them in a lot of trouble. Um, It implicates them in doing this stuff as well. And it's kind of, I don't know. It's just such a weird way to act and very thin skinned. It's not like it would be like me going after people on a video that, you know, I know he's the head of HBO, but he wasn't, directly involved with these shows i imagine like he wasn't he didn't pour his heart and soul into making these shows in the same way that an actual director or an actor would sure and they just have him go after people for 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 basically slagging off the pro it's like if someone wrote a negative 
review on TripAdvisor or something and yeah. you, you track them down and what, uh, it's just what, just very, very strange. What I liken it to is imagine you're working at a restaurant and mm-hmm. then there there's bad service and someone writes a Yelp you review. Co- yeah. And then your manager goes, hey, cre- create you, my waiter or whatever, whatever my staff, created a fake account on Yelp and go after this person, <laughs> you know, like how, yeah. how messed up would that be? <laughs> it is, I wouldn't it, even say it's to that level. I would say it's like you work in a restaurant where you sell drinks that are cans of Coca-Cola and someone writes something nasty about Coca-Cola and then you get your staff to do that. It's like you, you're yes. so detached from the product itself. It's almost like, why are you, why do you have this complete personal investment in it? And I, I know he said in his apology that he's passionate about what he puts out, which obviously is because he's making burner accounts and stuff. Um, but for him to be <laughs> up at the top in charge of people, it's just like you you should probably lose your job, mate, because you're yeah. clearly not like a good leader for handling this stuff. Now, I'm sure he regrets it. Um, I'm probably not getting screeners from HBO for a while. But uh, yeah, just a very, very strange thing to do. And I think, it just shows you terminally online, mate. Like, there's there's never been a time, right, where I've had an argument online with someone where I've woken up the next day and not regretted it. And mm-hmm. often I'll just delete the tweets because I'm like, I'm so embarrassed at myself for losing my cool like this. Yeah. Like, the other week, there was the Screen Crush, right? Screen Crush did a Five Nights at Freddy's video. Oh, yeah. And I went on, and the top comment was like, heavy spoilers is shit or something. And it had like 3,000 likes. And I know it was, it's not Ryan's fault. And But I said to Ryan, like, oh, man, I feel really bad about Like I felt quite down about that. I wasn't asking him to delete it before you guys start. Never mentioned anything like that. And I, I was just explaining, like, oh, when I seen it, it, it got me kind of down. Um, And all day I was kind of like in the same position you were. I was like, do I reply? Do I? And then the next day I just woke up and I wrote a response saying, I'm going to go sniper wolf. And that was it. And I just took, kind of made a joke out of it. You know what I mean? And I felt a lot better about myself. I don't regret saying I'll probably get demonetized for threatening that. But I don't regret doing it, Greg. No, it was quite a funny um, thing. And the thing is, I think people just <laughs> get too caught up in the... You, you dox Ryan. <laughs> you show up at his house. Yeah, so I, th- I think as well with the internet, people do get so caught up in just arguing with people. And it ha- it's happened with me in the past where I've... I've being with my kids or something and my wife and i've read a comment or a nasty tweet and i've put my phone away and it's just played on my mind and it's kind of robbed me of the enjoyment that i'm having with them because i'm constantly thinking like oh the motherfucker and i think it's because it's in your pocket as well that it's always on you um and it's just kind of I don't know. Just yeah, just get offline, mate. This is, but this isn't how you should be acting with your staff at all. And there should be no. way more repercussions for, um, you know, there should be a disciplinary at least. I'm not calling for a, for someone to get fired. I'm just saying, you know, should they be in that position where they're able to tell people, go make a fake account and tell this reviewer the shit, and also make sure you put vegan in the bio so it looks like I don't know, some kind of activist or something <laughs> that. They, because let's be honest, most Hollywood reviewers are probably left-wing activist people. Sure. Um, so maybe if they see that, they'll think they've let their community down or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just such a weird way to go on. And yeah, guys, just in general, the best advice I can give you if you're online and you're arguing with someone, think, has anything good ever come from winning an argument online? And you know there might be the odd instance every once in a blue moon but 
more times than not, guys, you're just going to waste your time. Look like, what's that famous Jay-Z bar where he says, people don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. And I'll jump on arguments and I'll just think, what a bunch of fucking losers. And there's, there's a lot of people in the political landscape that spend all day online arguing with people. I'll jump on those threads to read them. I'll not interact with them, but I'll just like read in an argument. You know what I mean, Greg? Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. read their arguments and I just think, just get a life, mate. Just get a fucking life. Get the fuck off this now. Get a life. So, yeah. They're with you, uh, brother. Very strange. Yeah, so guys, we if have you want to become... To vent to, so we can just hit each other. <laughs> when I'm reading a Twitter yeah, well, thread about me at 2 in the morning, I got you to talk to. Because you're in the UK and you're awake. <laughs> like, Paul, well, my advice wasn't right even... <laughs> yeah, my... I mean, Ryan, sometimes I'll talk to him and he just always says, I don't read the comments. I just don't, he's like, oh, you read the comments, did you? That was what he Wait. said to me. He was like, you read the comments, did you? And I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, I shouldn't read the comments because always there'll always be one comment. You, guaranteed, one every video, there's one comment yeah. that will probably be negative about you. And yeah, it's best just to not focus on it. I, I give my heart and my thumbs ups and my replies to people who are nice and cordial. And even if they're criticizing me, you know, if they do it in a way where it's, they're not being rude and they're trying to be respectful, I'm going to be respectful back and be like, yeah, you know what? You were, you were right. Even on this podcast, Greg, we'll get feedback on this and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you and be like, look, this guy's said to me and I think they, they're quite legitimate what their point is. Little Mermaid was a good example where we kind of, made tits of ourselves and people yeah. went back at us and it was kind of like, you know, oh yeah, they've, they've got a point. Let's address this next episode. We didn't say, right, I'm going to go into work tomorrow and I'm going to tell all the members of staff to make yeah. fake accounts to, to reply to these people. It's just kind of like, mate, just get over it. Yeah. Embarrassing. But uh, are you still going to send me House of the Dragon season two screeners, please? Can yeah, I please, please get them screeners. I'm just going to assume every hate comment is someone creating uh, some burner account just to attack me now. That's what I'm well, going to yeah, that, that was another thing that kind of came out out the back of this, which was Gina Carano did a big tweet about it, talking about the whole how this isn't this is not something that this is a one off. She basically said it's not a one off, and that bots and things as part of studios can be used to influence lots of other people. And I believe it. Yeah, I think I totally believe it. I don't even think it's just movies. I think in general, you know, I think there's definitely bots um, used across the board. Yeah. I mean, Brexit's a big thing over here, and there's always been that kind of investigations and stuff around whether there was bots used to sway public opinion. And I think you know, it, it, it'll be in the political landscape. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be in the movie landscape. And but anything that you want to make seem popular or, or push a certain narrative, I'm sure that bots are used in a certain way. Um, but this kind of confirms it that they do actually make burner accounts and there might be a point where lots of things come out but yeah just i feel bad for anyone who's sunk that low that they feel they feel they need to make it because it's such a fucking dumb thing to do yeah. and yeah it's it's no, there's no excuse for it there's no way you can explain like oh well i got my staff to make burner accounts because i'm passionate about this it's like no mate don't be a fucking dickhead next time, yeah. Don't be a the, dickhead, please. The advancement of AI, I just, I just think it's going to get so much worse when it comes to these bots. You know, like, we're on, you go on Amazon and you can see certain bot reviews. reviews. You're just like, Jesus Christ, it's so obvious, a bot review. And and sometimes on Rotten Tomatoes as well. I'm not going to, I think, I think, I think for the most part, 
the majority of the audience reviews are are sincere. I feel like for the most part, they are very real. And then there comes the times where you see certain sections where you're like, this doesn't sound like a real person writing this when you're scrolling. We get bot comments as well. We get so many. Every time. I've actually got a outright i've got a bot who i think tackles bots because i'll get loads of comments from bots and then there'll be a, a person who comments and replies to all of them saying you're a bot yeah this is a bot and i'm thinking are they a bot as well because every single video they respond to the bots but we i try i mean i spend ages trying to clear out the bots because they're normally like sex accounts that yeah, yeah. Are, copy other people's posts so it looks legitimate like a legitimate opinion on the video but yeah. what it is is they've got some scantily clad woman in the thumbnail and what they hope is that you click them and subscribe to them and start interacting with them. And I don't don't know how they never reply to me every time I click on it, Paul, and I never get a response back. Really pissed. What do you say, Greg? I'm always like, Hey, I saw you comment. You seem like a lovely human being. I'm Greg. What's your name? Never get a response. (laughs) Oh man, that sucks. They're the only ones I reply to. But yeah, so very sad. Bots run the world at the moment. Um, we're all kind of <laughs> traveling into the AI world where we can't tell whether anything is real or not. And yeah, it's all fake, all fake. Even Instagram is like, there, there was, I remember people at my last work, they, were, they talked about an app where you could just get likes given to you. So you, you could post, could get like 10,000 likes from bot accounts. And it was like, look, we're generating loads of publicity for the product. I'm like, you're not really, though, because these people aren't going to buy it. And when it's all stripped away, mm. you're going to realize that, you know, you haven't really sold anything because you've purely been using bots and it's not been popular at all. So, yeah, don't use bots, guys. Use real people. People crave authenticity and they can very quickly spot when something's a bot, like that bot who points out bots on my videos. So thanks to that guy. Um, final story, we were going to talk about the Five Nights at Freddy box office, but you know what? I don't feel like I, need, I want to anymore because Universal blocked my ending explained. I'm sorry. And it's like, I feel like you're surprised. I gave it a five out of 10 and the, I could easily kick up a storm and be like, they're suppressing me because I gave it a bad <laughs> review and Universal are suppressing yeah. critics that give things bad reviews. But honestly, I think they're just shitheads. And I think even if I'd given it a good review, they would have probably copyright claimed it because that's what they tend to do some guy right he's just sat in his office all the time working for universal boss comes in and goes mate what have you yeah. done today you know we're paying you we're paying you to do work what have you done have you filled out any copyright claims today and he goes uh you know i'm on it now boss and he just sees whatever's at the top of the search for yeah. their latest movie and he just puts a block in they're like um, but I've had numerous, yeah they're like parking ticket attendees. They they have to. I know this. I know this about claimants. They have they have to yeah. file claims. And yeah, you are the uh, I, do, I feel kind of bad for them because it's like that's your life. You know what I mean? It's like not. It's not going to be a fulfilling job filling it in DMCA forms all day. Um, but I wish there was a way I could contact them and bribe them and just be like, look, mate, I'll give you ten percent of the video profits if you just leave it the fuck alone. You don't have to do anything. Just leave it the fuck alone. And then it'll be a big story of like heavy spoilers pays off universal <laughs> copyright guy to stay top of the search result. Did, um, but yeah, it's, oh, it's a, I did. I actually had one waiting yeah, but yeah. when they blocked it. 
Um, it's on about thirty thousand, well, twenty thousand views, I think. Oh, look at me trying to oversell it. It's on thirty thousand views. No, it's about twenty thousand views, and even the top comment. So I, I had it unlisted, and then I wrote out a comment saying, "Apologies for the re-upload. Universal blocked the last one," and I had that pinned. And it was five days later that they blocked it, and I just thought, "Yeah, we'll put it live." Um, so yeah, just not talking about your movie, guys. Just talking about how much of a shithead studio you are. And even in the strikes, they were they were talking about how they cut the palm trees down <laughs> yeah. on protesters so that the the it, the sun wouldn't be blocked. Like, what evil people? Just constantly, just they're like the worst kind of corporation out there. Um, and if any. And, you know, I buy a lot of 4K movies. I still buy stuff from um, Universal because they've made good movies. But the people running the studio, probably shitheads. Um, but, yeah, if you want to make 10% of all my video profits, just to leave me alone. No, you know who to hit up now. I'm going to get an email account now. I'm going to get an email from, like, some 14-year-old in, I don't know, wisconsin or something who's like i'm a, i'm head of universal and just send me the money and i'll stop it from doing it i'll be like of course i'll send you the money you go, i trust man. you yeah it'll be like you at universal.com but the l the l's and i or something um so yeah five nights at freddy's blocked video don't want to talk about it they they harassed me because i gave it a five out of ten or something That's like that but fun. um yeah speaking of the the deal well the strike anyway we were hoping that the sag strike would end at this point um but they're apparently getting their final offer at the moment when this video releases you know they might have resolved it or at least come to, to something but yeah it's kind of i don't think they will it's yeah it's just dragged on so long like you see zachary quinto uh, yeah. post sorry you see zachary Quint- quinto 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 that plays spock nope the american horror story uh, the, no, sentiment, what did he say? the sentiment was basically about, you know, yeah, they put out, you know, AMPTP is using intimidation factors again. And please know that we will stand behind you to, to not feel pressure to agree to it just because they were saying this is their last and final offer. I feel like AMPTP, every offer is their last and final offer. Yeah. And, and it, it well, is an intimidation yeah. factor because, yeah, it's to get them to succumb. But I still think that they're probably far apart on some. I love to be wrong. I love to come back here next week and be like, I'm 100 percent wrong. They solved that. Zach is happy. Yay! But there's something about the sentiment that Zach Quinto pointed out. Granted, he's not on the board, like you know, like a Fran Drescher or something like that. But to put out, hey, we saw the statement AMPTP made. Please don't just agree out of pressure. We will still hold the line for as long as we can. Um, yeah, as well, long I mean, as it takes. I mean, what? yeah. What does the AMPTP expect to do? Like, I, I don't think saying we're no longer negotiating works as a tactic. Because what are you guys gonna do? Are you just gonna not make movies anymore? Yeah, you know we're what not I mean? gonna you use can... actors anymore. <laughs> yeah, like what are you gonna do? Like you, you're kind of beholden to these people because your industry relies on them. Yeah, you could yeah. get rid of mate. You could get rid of five studio executives from every single production, and I probably wouldn't notice when I'm watching the final film. You got rid of five actors from the main cast, like it. it, it make like who? Who's the most important cog in the wheel of making movies? Right, it's right. probably, you know, your writers, yeah, your di- actors, your directors, studio executives. Probably, probably down the bottom, mate. You're probably, yeah. You, you don't really. You're not essential to making movies. And there's been lots of independent films that have been made without you guys that have done very, very well. So yeah, I don't think the tactic of we're not gonna. This is our final offer. It's like, well, is it, mate? Because I'm 
not agreeing to it. So you better you better go back and come with come up with something else, mate. Well, we'll see, man. Do you think it's going to resolve this week? I think uh, I do feel like it has to. I feel like if they just keep saying no, I I would just keep saying no, 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 and then eventually the studio will be like, oh, fine, yeah. Whatever, yeah. I mean, it's only a three. It's only a three-year deal as well. That's a big thing. I don't even get about it. Why they're dragging the heels so much? It's like three years, mate. Just agree to it. You know, see how this stuff goes, and then next, next time contracts roll around, be like, oh well, you know, I know we try to do this thing, but it didn't necessarily work out. Can we scale it back or do something different? Just it's getting to the point where you just complete. Like I don't, I really don't see how cinemas are going to survive for for much longer because they've. They limped along after the pandemic. And now I got this shit on top of them. And yeah, it's it's very, very sad to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well What are they gonna release next year? Like they've had so many bombs this year. Dude, Deadpool but, three is on track to release on time, according to everything they're saying. It's gonna come out. It's gonna be great. Visual we'll effects. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. The visual effects. And hopefully part. we'll see you guys back next week because that is the end of the podcast. Is it? You've enjoyed it? It is, yeah. We've got no more stories. Oh, what? I was going to talk. I did have Five Nights at Freddy's in, but I've decided we're not going to do it. And oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're at 90 minutes anyway, Greg. These people, have, they've got lives. They've got shit to do. They've uh, they've got to, you know, spend... They've got to go on the internet and argue with people, Greg. And it's difficult to do that when you're trying to listen to, to a podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys, for <laughs> sticking with us, as always. And um, if you enjoy the podcast, no matter what you listen to it on yet, would really appreciate the thumbs up. It does make a difference. You know, we appreciate the comments as well. I know you guys have been ragged on how we hate negative comments, but if you write it in a respectful way, got no got no problem with it. Got it's no it's when it's stuff like it's when it's stuff like, mate, your hairstyle's absolutely shit and uh your Funko Pops, you're probably a virgin, you little freak. I'm like, Oh yeah, that really hurt me that. So yeah, please don't please don't do that, please. Um so yeah, lots of love though. Thank you guys for sitting with us for another podcast. Greg, your final thoughts? Uh, I love your for? universal rant. That's my final thought. And thank you to everyone who has been uh, watching with yeah. us, listening with us, because I love the conversations I get to have with Paul here. And I know I got my loyal haters here, and I'm okay with that. I welcome your engagement, because it only oh. helps the video. Yeah. Get Log in off your bot account. Off your bot account. <laughs> Ryan yeah. Harry created Maybe, it. Yeah. Why can't they use bots to do like good in the world? You know what I mean? Why yeah. can't they use them to spread happiness and joy? I don't know. And say, I, I love your videos. If I got a thousand bot accounts saying I love your videos, I'd be like, oh, wow, what a, I feel really good about myself. No, Thank you, whoever did that. It would be the movie Her but, uh, all over again. Just me okay. in love with all these comments. Yeah, that's what we need. But uh, yeah, thank you guys again. Adopt my block as well. Thank you for the t shirt. And I'll see you next time. Peace, everyone. Peace.